The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love. But our job, the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom, is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. Welcome to Finding Freedom Podcast, here with Austin out of Las Vegas. Welcome, Austin. Good to be chatting with you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. So we're trying a new, a new format today. I think it's going to be fun. A uh, little, little crazy. It might be a little like abnormal. Um, I'm trying to like grow my beard out because I don't ever get the chance because I always like have like work and stuff or quarantine. So it's my only chance to like grow my beard out. But right. anyway, so Austin, that's enough about the beard I can't grow because I'm part Asian. Tell us a little about, tell us, tell, us <laughs> tell people that don't know who you are. I tagged you in here in the post here. For people that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I, I live in Vegas. Um, I'm, I'm a new member to the SET family. I uh, just came on board beginning of this year. Um, I, I manage a, a pretty good sized sales team out in the Carolinas um, with, uh, with James Wood, who you had on a couple of days ago. Um, you know, we've, uh, we've made the transition over with SET the past few months, man, and it's been obviously an interesting last couple of weeks or so, but we're really, really enjoying it and things are going awesome. Um, you know, just, just getting out here doing this kind of stuff with you guys is, and uh, has been a big change from what we're used to and just seeing all the kind of camaraderie in the community that we've got with the companies and the hospitals. Cool. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're enjoying being, being part of the family. Nice. So I'm guessing your journey didn't start in solar. Um, it started somewhere else. So I guess you don't have to go way back to the beginning of like, maybe you do, maybe you have a fun story from like high school and middle school, but kind of just right. tell us your journey to, your, your journey to here. Uh, yeah, so, so I got started in sales actually really, really early in life. Um, I had a, I had a regular job, I'll call it for, for exactly one day. Uh, I worked at Albertsons when I was like 15 and worked there for a day and, uh, decided I wasn't really a big fan of bagging groceries for people. And, uh, so I started selling mortgages for one of my buddy's mortgage companies when I was 16 and, uh, just doing cold calls, you know, setting up appointments for them. Um, it did pretty well. You know, I really enjoyed it. I liked talking to people and, and, um, kind of had a knack for it. So I did that for, for a few years um, and then eventually transitioned over into working uh, and running call centers, uh, working phone rooms. I, I worked for Grand Vacations in their phone room for about two or three years and, and did really, really well there. Uh, and then just eventually kind of got burnt out on sales, man. You know, I was just at a point where I was young and had just been kind of working my butt off for, you know, a solid five, six years and uh, got wrapped into, I was just talking to you about this a few minutes ago, I got wrapped into working at nightclubs. You know, I live here in Vegas and, and uh, you know, as soon as, I, as soon as I was old enough to go out and have a little bit of fun, I wasn't really a big partier, wasn't really a big drinker or anything. So there was kind of a, an odd transition for me, but uh, it was cool. And um, so I worked in nightclubs for probably about four to five years here in Vegas and I had some really, really cool experiences, opened up some of the biggest clubs in the world and uh, then kind of was getting the itch to get back into sales, um, kind of started getting tired of the, you know, the, the, the night shift working clubs, you know, going into work at 8 p.m., getting home at 11 a.m. was kind of starting to wear on me a little bit. And a really good buddy of mine was, um, who I'd worked with previous, um, doing mortgages, was was selling timeshare here in Vegas, which is a huge industry here. And 
you know, he'd been kind of pushing me to, to come and check it out for, you know, six months to a year, I'd say. And, uh, and finally, I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, if, if like, have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? You've seen that, I'm assuming, right? Well, I haven't seen it. I've seen like I know the video. I've seen like YouTube. I've never actually watched the whole thing. But go ahead. Oh, you got to check it out, man. That's that's a classic. Um, but there's a there's a pretty cool scene in there where uh, Jonah Hill's character tells uh, tells um, Jordan Belfort, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, is like, listen, man, I'll, I'll quit my job right now, and I'll come work for you if you can show me your check. And it's like whatever the amount was, who knows, maybe thirty grand, grand, hundred, whatever the number was. But I said the same thing to my buddy. It's like, listen, man, you're telling me you're making all this money, like show me a check right now for you know 30 grand for whatever your bonus was and i'm in i'll do it right and he was able to show me a check and the next day uh i went in and, and uh applied at a timeshare spot and uh got the job and uh you know took that for another five years or so and did really really well made some phenomenal money and learned a lot you know it's like like sales boot camp um you know a lot of the guys who, who are in solar now who came from time i'm sure will tell you time a, a tough gig and definitely a tough sales gig for sure uh it teaches you a lot um, and luckily, I was able to transition that pitch and approach and sales philosophy and all that stuff over to solar. Uh, I've been in solar for about a year and a half, almost two years now, I'd say. Um, I got recruited over by, same thing, one of my buddies who was in timeshare who moved to solar and, uh, and you know, was able to kind of hype me up on, on the prospects and, and what, a, what a good opportunity was to kind of get out of an industry I wasn't super happy with. And, uh, you know, came in and, and immediately took over a team and started managing with, uh, with my past company and, and Ah, so last last year or so we had a really really good year and uh you know now here we are with with SCP and, and uh, we're, we're one big happy family and we're able to move most of my guys over and everybody's pretty happy cool so it's been a long journey for sure it's been doing sales for, for a little over 10 i'd say 10 to 12 years um and solar is definitely the, the the favorite product i've ever sold for sure uh definitely takes a lot of hard work but a different type of work right not really quite as stressful work kind of rewarding and good about what you're selling so cool. it's been a good run how do you like is it legal to sell a mortgage when you're 16? Uh, I'm not, no comment. No, 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 I, I, it's, it's not, no, it's a good question, Cody. I wonder how long you've been thinking that one, right? That's been, that was the first thing I said. Dude. Um, no, so I was, uh, yeah, I had an, an alias uh, selling through one of my buddy's names. Um, okay, okay. I, I just didn't know, like maybe you're like in a mortgage, like, like real estate, you could be like a, you know, lead dog or like knocking doors. Like, yeah. I mean, that stuff happens all the time. I was just curious, like, well, nobody's, nobody's gonna see this video right this is just me and you talking so just you know keep between yeah, us yeah. you're good that was like yeah maybe not the most legal situation yeah, yeah. but you know we found a way to get it done and and uh yeah it worked out well okay you're good so what was the uh i guess in nightclubs that's why i'm uh, i sorry i just go to these random rabbit holes but like what do you do in a nightclub besides I'm, I'm sure there's a lot to do in a nightclub but i've never like met anybody that's worked in a nightclub like what did you do in a nightclub uh, so I, I had kind of a unique position. I, I started out just doing security. Um, I was a, a bigger guy and, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of bigger guys in Vegas, but there's not a, it's kind of an, a unique combination to find somebody who's got a physical presence, but also able to kind of chat with people, right? Because you can deal with some kind of high-end clientele, celebrities coming in and things like that. So uh, I pretty quickly transitioned from just like a security guard um, up to, to running uh, security for, for the entire club. Um, which had a lot to do with, you know, I mean, heck, I don't know if you, I'm assuming you don't know a lot of big e days, but, uh, you know, we'd get like a big e day that would come into town, right? Like a Holland Harris or something or something like that. And um, so I would run a security detail to go pick them up at the airport and uh, bring them back to the casino, go gamble with them a little bit. It was, to be honest with you, man, I was just kind of getting paid to hang out and, and do stuff that people paid thousands of dollars to go do. I was getting paid to do. Um, but we pick people up and, and um, just make sure they were fully taken care of, right? Security wise, you know, 
get a new line or a particular or you know all the crazy things that you get into in Vegas. Uh, I was kind of a, a glorified babysitter for a weekend for some guys coming in spending a couple hundred thousand bucks, you know, on on fifty bucks of alcohol. It was oh. uh, yeah. Do you, have anybody, do you have any like anybody you worked with that you can tell me about, or is it like you assign like things where you can't talk about any of those clients, or how's no, that work? No, no, there, there's no no NDAs or any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, again, a lot of the just the biggest DJs in, in town that people would know about, but um, you know, I, I opened uh, a club called Marquee in Las Vegas, which was kind of the hot spot for a couple of years, and then transitioned that into Hakkasan and Ambia, which are two really big ones now. So we get all the, the the biggest celebrities coming in, man. I did. Um, I did a lot of private security details for work clients like Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, who come in a lot, which is surprising because he's like 70. He would go in and party harder than most of the 21-year-olds in there. Um, a, lot of, a lot of sports players, Jerry Rice, would come in a lot. Um, a lot of the Lakers would come in quite a bit. Uh, when the Niners won their Super Bowl, uh, or when they went to the Super Bowl years back, they, their whole offensive line came in, and that was kind of funny. He went to 30 for like 10, 450-pound dudes. Like, I'm pretty sure you guys don't need me to help you out here. Uh, a lot of big poker players in Vegas. Um, Michael Bay uh, would come in a lot. He was one of the nicer guys we ever did security for. Like the, uh, the director, Michael Bay? Yeah, yeah, the director, Michael Bay. Okay. Um, and then some people who you would kind of assume would be not the easiest to get along with. You'd probably be right, right? Like the, uh, I don't know, like Eric Hilton and Jennifer Lopez and those kinds of people who kind of have a bad rep already. Um, you know, so you had some people who were really, really nice and cool and some people who were just a total pain in the ass. Um, but, you know, you had to obviously approach them all the same way, but I definitely had a, had a lot of fun with a lot of cool people and, and probably got paid way more than I should have for, for the work that I was doing, just hanging out, you know, like I said, doing what people pay to come in and do for four or five years. A lot of really cool experience. Like what, what, like, if you can't tell, I totally understand. Like, what's like crazy story? Like, for example, I had a buddy who was a wedding planner and this dude, like, it's like a $1.3 million wedding. And they bought crystal for the whole party and they had the wedding dinner and the father of the bride didn't want anybody else to use that crystal. And he literally took a baseball bat after the dinner in a separate room okay. and smashed all the crystal. That's a pretty crazy story for sure. Uh, definitely sounds like a big waste of money. I'd say, um, you know, I, I'd say the craziest thing I've granted, I mean, we, you know, we had altercations where there was fights and all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but, but just, crazy kind of energy and spending. Uh, we had uh, we had one particular guy who would come in and he was from Indonesia and his family did all of the, um, his family controlled like a lot of uh, export Indonesian imports who, who knows, that was probably involved in something. Crazy. But he would come in at least once a month and spend a million dollars in the night um, and just buy, he would buy like a $250,000 bottle of champagne, just spray it all over everybody. Um, so that was really difficult to were kind of upset about getting sprayed with champagne away from him. Um, but then he would proceed to spend another about half a million bucks buying bottles of champagne and just handing them out to all the people he had sprayed with the quarter million dollar bottle of champagne to kind of like as an olive branch. Um, so keeping those kinds of nights in, in check where people are like, you know, we're literally handing out like a half a million dollars worth of just free booze to people. And you got some people who are upset because they got sprayed on with champagne. Some people who are crazy happy about what's going on, you know, girls who want to come to the table to dance and guys. It's just like a crazy, crazy night. So yeah, we had a, a couple, there was a couple of people that come in and spend, you know, between 10 and $15 million a year in the club. And most of it was just an overpriced champagne spraying it, you know, all over people who they didn't know. Uh, I had a couple of guys who would come in and like have stacks of hundred dollar bills and they would just light on fire just to try to get attention from people, from girls, I guess. And we had to kind of control those guys. We had some people get burnt at times. And, um, 
Yeah, a lot of mo most of the craziness in nightclubs is going to revolve around people who have money, don't know enough what to do with it, and find creative ways to come into the club and and, uh, and burn it as quickly as they can because I know there's not really a whole lot of rules for them in there. But you like understand like you you literally like you literally they literally burn the money like not just burn it like you had people literally burn the money literally burning money yeah literally burning money. Um, you know, Vegas is a crazy place, man. There's, there's just, there's, there really is no place like it. And, and people show up here and, and they feel like they're in you know, like Westworld or something, right? Where everything you do here doesn't really count in the real world. But um, overall, like I said, I, I think, you know, the, the experience working in clubs was awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I definitely learned a lot. Um, had probably the same experience that a lot of people have over 15 or 20 years condensed down into like a four year period. Um, I'm definitely not a big partier, not a big clubber. It's certainly not anymore, right? I, I did it forever. And, and, you know, eventually you get tired of hearing the same music and seeing the same people. So, uh, but it was, it was fun though. One of the big things that actually helped me a lot uh, in sales because, you know, you have a very finite amount of time. I mean, everything's tip based, right? right? So, I mean, if you're not making tips, people don't get, you're making minimum wage. Um, whereas there's opportunities where you can make, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and just cash tips. So um, you had to, you know, you had to have a, a really, really good ability to make people like you and, and trust you and give them good service in a short amount of time, similar to kind of what a sales pitch would be. Um, so you have the same process, right, where you kind of have to build rapport and you get them to like you and then you kind of find out where they where they need you and kind of create a problem and allow you as the security guard or the host or the salesperson to solve that problem in order to get you know, cash at the end of the night or something. So um, hey, believe it or not, it really did help me to, to kind of translate that over into sales. Um, and then even, you know, you, you deal with like running a front door at a nightclub, you've got you know, 10 to 15,000 people all waiting in line. And if you're the last person in line coming through the front door, you're probably not super stoked about having waited in line for two or three hours, right? Um, so a big aspect of it also was just trying to understand that, hey, like, even if I've talked to 10,000 people tonight, this is this guy's first time talking to me, so I've got to make sure I'm being as respectful and as, as engaging as possible um, and, and preach to them, rather, is, is listen, whether you've done, you know, 10 appointments today or, or one this week, right? You want to come with the same energy, give people the same kind of respect, you give the first person with the same energy, because um, that's all we can really control, right, is, is what our, what energy we put out there. So, same thing, I don't care what job you're in, but uh, especially service industry, I think, really translates well to sales. Yeah, so, so you're, you like sales. You, you did the service industry, you did sales. Have you noticed any, like, rough transitions? Because I know a lot of times guys, like, especially, like, for example, you think that, like, waiters or waitresses would typically be really good in sales, um, but yes. a lot of times they're so, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, they get in sales and they can't like draw a hard line, you know, yeah. or some people that have a little more attitude do really well in sales because they can kind of stand their own. Like, did you notice any transition or is just because your position was so different that it wasn't that big of a deal to switch over? So, you know, I think a lot of times it's, it's, uh, in my experience anyway, it's harder for people to make, to turn the hat from nice customer service representative into closer as opposed to the other way around. Um, so I was always naturally a little bit more kind of like a hard edge, not like closer. That sounds kind of stupid to say, but I was just, I had more of that closing personality. So it was actually harder for me to be able to be a little bit more personal. I didn't kind of be open and bubbly and happy and kind of get people into my world. Um, but I, I definitely think that's, that's something that's, that's a, a big, um, you know, uh, kind of stepping point for a lot of new reps is finding a way to be able to transition from, Hey, I'm here. I'm happy with you. I've got energy, right? Now I'm going to turn my hat into actually turning into not, not just a customer service rep, right? But into a closer. Um, so I think you're totally right, right? Like service industry people for the most part don't really have a need to ever turn that hat around into, hey, now here we're going to talk about business, right? I mean, it's, you know, that comes and the person leaves. So 
uh, there definitely is an aspect of that, and that's something we try to focus in on a lot with my guys who have come over from. Okay, cool. Well, and, and right now, well, and I, you'll see where I'm transitioning to this pretty easily, but for you said most of your team's out in East Coast, you're out in Vegas. So you've right. been doing the remote thing for right. a while. A lot of people are trying to adjust to this remote thing. What are yeah. some what are some tips and tricks? Like how do you adjust? Like where'd you start? Like what are what how give us some insight into that? Yeah, man, good question. It's it's funny too because I had actually just uh since our transition into SET, I was like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm tired of sitting at home all day. I'm going crazy. I love my cats and my dog, but man, I don't want to hang out with them this much, right? Um, so I was, I was uh, at a point where I was going to start to kind of go out to, to the Carolinas every now and again and take some appointments. And, and uh, I've got a team here in Vegas uh, that we're getting started up. So I was looking forward to getting the heck out of the house. Um, and now, of course, everybody's like losing their mind. I'm like, man, this is what I've been doing for two years, you know? Um, but the, the transition initially, I mean, it sounds, I think it sounds really, really cool for most people to say, hey, you want to work from home? Right. When I first heard that, I mean, I wasn't used to getting up for, for you know, forever and putting on a, a suit and going into work at a time. So I'm like, dude, that sounds awesome. And I can just get home and sit in front of my computer. That's, that's dope. Um, and that was really cool for the first, like, month, maybe. But then I started to get a little surf crazy, right? I, got, I mean, I really started to kind of get to the point where I'm like, I got to find something to do with my time. I'm just kind of naturally a person who just wants to be out just kind of doing stuff. I have a hard time doing nothing. Um, but what really helped me is actually just, you just got to make sure you keep a schedule for yourself. You just have to hold yourself accountable, right? And that's something that's tough for a lot of people. And me being in a managerial position, I have to hold myself accountable so I can hold my guys accountable, right? So um, I just make sure that regardless of, of what the work day looks like, right, whether it's flooded or not, I, I wake up at the same time, get my workout in, right? Try to make sure that I'm, I'm uh, committing to whatever the schedule I had for myself, you know, the night before I put in place is. So it's, it's just about accountability, I think, right? And, and um, I don't care how great of a boss you are or, or how good of an employee you are. If, if you're not self-motivated, uh, it's really hard to get your guys and your team motivated for sure. So that's something I, I made sure I keep up with myself. Like I said, just put the schedule in place and, and really, really do my best to stick with it. Um, and then just find a way to, you know, to fill in the gaps, right? And there's, there's a lot of uh, temptation in between, you know, appointments or whatever. If I've got a couple of hours free, you know, I can just sit down and start playing Call of Duty or something, right? But I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to find productive ways to spend my time. And so I give myself a really firm schedule. I'm up at about 6 a.m. here in Vegas. My guys are running at 9, 30, 10 o'clock on the East Coast. So I work from about 6 to 6 every day. Um, and then, uh, you know, during that time frame, I'm making sure I'm either doing something to keep me healthier, keep me happier, or make more money. That's it, 6 to 6, 7 days a week. It's got to be one of those three things. If it's not, I'm not doing it. So, yeah, I see, I see the home gym in the back. So get, yeah. what's your, is that part of your daily routine is the working out? It, it is, man. Actually, a, a lot, you know, it, it's, it's, la it's, been, uh, it's been lagging. Uh, it was anyway for the beginning part of this year just because I have been, you know, so busy with this transition trying to kind of get, get us migrated over to SET. But, yeah, that's, that's huge. I'm a, I'm a, I try to be a gym rat, uh, um, you know, and, and up here. But, man, it's something at home. Uh, you know, I don't really quite get the same workout in. So even though I've got this stuff here, I do still go to the gym. And, and, uh, but right now, yeah, the gyms are closed up. So I'm happy about this. A couple of my buddies come over and I've been lifting some weights with me every now and again just to, to get their blood flowing a little bit. Cool. All right. So I'm going to, like I said, we're going to try to mix it up a little. Usually when I do these podcasts, it's like back and forth. So this is going to be a little more visual. So I guess for the people that are just listening, right. it's not going to be as yeah. like cool. Um, I'm going to share some photos here. I want you to explain these pictures as I show them. Photos of me? Oh, that's me. Okay. <laughs> photos of you. So tell, tell me like where this was, what were you doing? 
So that's actually, that's, that's a good one, man. That's got a good backstory. So that is actually a photo of me and my fiance, Desiree, and one of my best friends, Eric, who's coming on with us here in Vegas, uh, another timeshare sales guy who's coming on and starting to sell some solar. Uh, yeah, as, as Desiree laughs downstairs. So that's actually at the, um, it's at the, the Volcano National Park on the Big Island in Hawaii in Kona. Uh, we were just there. I, I, there's not a whole lot more that I love to do than travel. I, I try to travel as much as possible. And um, I'm not a big picture taker. I'm not really a big like, social media guy or video guy. So I usually have to get caught in like a surprise picture like I did there. Um, you know, they, my, my Des tries to fight me to get into pictures. And I know I need to start taking more. So I've been trying to be a little bit better at it. Yeah, that's, uh, that was a really, really cool day. It was, uh, Volcano was actually erupting when we were there. So about half the park was closed off. Uh, but there's a bunch of other ones on there, I think, if you kind of click through where we kind of walk down through these trails and you go out into this big lava field. And, and uh, it's, it's one of the coolest places I've ever been. If you haven't been to Hawaii, uh, you should go. And if you've been there, but you haven't been to the, the uh, Volcano National Park, definitely make that, uh, uh, put that on your list for the next time you go out there. Okay, let's see if I can click through this next one. <laughs> That's an old school picture for sure. I didn't even know that was so long there. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so that's, that is me and my brother Jay, um, and we were in a Target, I believe, here in Vegas, and that was at least 10 years ago, if not longer, I'd say. Maybe, well, maybe not quite. It was right around there, though. Uh, and just one of those days, man, where I was probably working in a club and had all week off and didn't have a whole lot to do and had too much money to spend, and we were just going around finding random stuff to get into. Um, we definitely were, uh, when we were together, we, we were jokesters for sure, and we'd get out, and I think the girl who took that was just like a girl who worked at Target. Um, you know, but you gotta, gotta find some productive way to keep your time occupied. But we may have been going out like surfing for Halloween costumes or something. I don't know. But yeah, that was, uh, that was standard in Target. I think that if, if the world were ending though, people would be pretty uh, comfortable if he and I showed up in, in those outfits to save everybody. So that's the last one. Uh, another good one. That, that is on, uh, that's me and Desiree. That's on New Year's Eve of 2018, I believe. Um, so Desiree works for um, for MGM Resorts here in Vegas. She's a, a marketing um, manager. So they do a really, really cool um, New Year's Eve party every year. Luckily, she's able to, uh, to let me tag along with her. I, I just try to stay in the background and not get her in trouble having too many glasses of champagne or embarrass her at work. But uh, that's at the uh, the Bellagio New Year's Eve Gala uh, in, in Vegas. That was a couple of years ago. So I think actually Bruno Mars performed that night. It's kind of like a little private event where he performed. And, um, again, man, I get some really, really cool perks working in Vegas between, you know, my, my nightclub experience and then Des working for MGM. She gets us tickets about everywhere. And, and uh, I really, really get to, to live a pretty cool life here in Vegas and see and do a lot of really cool stuff. Cool, man. Well, what's, what's the, what are you guys working on right now as a team? Like, what are you developing? Like, what are you noticing that's working? What it's, yeah, what's, what's happening? Yeah, man. So it's, uh, you know, again, just, just like everybody else around the country, we're in, we're in kind of a weird place right now where we had our plan and our idea and our direction of where we're going to take this year. And uh, we've had to really pivot, right? And, and I think that, that luckily our team has done a great job of, uh, you know, seeing it as a challenge and, and, and packing it. Um, you know, so we've just been trying to really focus on, on getting everybody comfortable. Well, first off, we've been making sure that everybody jumps on your and Donovan's calls because they're really, really helpful. Um, but we've been really, really just trying to focus in on, on keeping our, our focus the same, right? Making sure that the guys understand that this, whether this is the new norm or it's going to go away in two weeks or two months or whatever, you know, it's, we've got a team, a team motto, which is, it's just what we do, right? Whether we close 10 deals this week, of virtual or in, in, in home or we set a hundred appointments or whatever it is, 
It's just what we do, right? We don't care about what's going on in the world. We're not going to let a, a customer dictate our process. We're not going to let, you know, a, a, a pandemic dictate our process. We're not going to let anything stand in our way just going out there, keeping the same attitude and, and going out and, and closing. Um, so that's really, the, our focus hasn't changed by a whole lot. If anything, everybody's kind of stepped up to the plate and, and really wanted to embrace it and, and tackle it. Uh, and, and our goal is we want to be the number one team in the country, whether it's, you know, from home or, or out on the road or whatever. So we're, uh, we're just trying to keep everybody laser focused and, and not let this throw them off their path at all. And, and again, take it as a challenge and, and just embrace as much training as we can do. Um, I think that realistically, I mean, a lot of our guys are going to want to stay with this format, even when we do have the opportunity to go out. Uh, just because it's it's going to increase efficiency so much, right? I mean, it's it's just gonna it's gonna really help to to give us an opportunity to get in front of more people and you know more hands you shake, more money you make, right? So yeah. if we can uh, if we can really really dial our process in here during this time and get comfortable with it, then uh, I think this is actually going to be a really nice stepping stone for us and and going to help us to to have a, an even bigger year than we were already anticipating having, right? So well, you call us uh, a you call us a deal. You had one rep calls three deals last week, right? Uh, yeah, we had a, we had a couple of a couple of guys have a really successful week, right? And, and but the thing is with us, Cody, is you know when we when we have one guy close three deals, we don't look at that as an accomplishment, right? I mean, we're all we're a team coming from, you know, fighting for for a couple hundred kilowatts a week is is what we were doing recently, and that's what we want to get back to. So, um, you know, it's never enough for us, right? If it's three, it could have been five. If it's five, everybody, and, and that's kind of how we keep everybody hungry. Yeah, but yeah, well, super I proud of our team. Good we've, got, for we've got. For uh, the, yeah. the atmosphere, what we're going through for one rep to close three deals in a week, self that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We, we've got an awesome team, man. And one thing that really is has helped to get us through this period, as well as just kind of this weird transition for us through the beginning of the year, is just that we, you know, we're, we're a really tight knit group, um, and and everybody fights for each other. There's there's healthy competition, but never anything other than just you know positivity in our group. And and as you've seen, right, you've been a part of our chat for the last couple of days, but. Um, everybody pulls for, for each other, man. And if one person has a great week, then, then the team did. And, and if one person has a down week, then we know feel as a team that we all had a down week because we didn't help that person to succeed. So, um, you know, the goal is to get everybody putting up three or five meals a week and then we're happy, right? Right now, it's just about getting there and continuing to kind of climb the mountain and fighting, you know. Cool. So here, here's where we get the fun part. And then we're going to do some rapid fire questions. New segment is to find the grossest thing in your fridge, not the grossest thing. I'm going to find something gross in your fridge. Okay. Eat it. And then I'm going to rapid fire question you while you're eating something disgusting. I don't so, know that I have anything disgusting, but I can try. Be, I guarantee you probably have pickle juice. Am I allowed to drink uh, a shot of Jameson before the pickle? No, not really. All right, let me go find this. Okay. Right, let me go see what I can find. I'll bring this thing down with me while I pull up these rabbits. Yeah, it's, it's, my, it's my desktop, so I can't bring it down. My wife, hopefully, hopefully you don't see too much of my dirty house because my wife don't want me to show that dirty house. It's not too bad, actually. But we have a four-year-old, so he likes to decorate the fridge. Let's see, what do we got here? We got, should I just do sour? No, sour cream straight's not bad. I know I have pickle juice in here. So, oh, where, right? No, not right there. Ooh, that'd be gross. Oh, I don't want to eat a little sauerkraut. So I do the sauerkraut or pickles? Sauerkraut. I can do the pickle juice. Ugh. Right there. Look at that. They're like spicy pickles too. You guys are watching right now tonight. We're gonna do a wing challenge because our team calls some deals, lots of deals. So I'm gonna do a wing challenge. 
be fun. This is fun though. I hear some laughs. Let's see what we're gonna have. Let's see what let's see what Austin brings up. See what nasty stuff he's got in his fridge. I just I want someone to do a mayonnaise spoon of mayonnaise. That'd be gross. Miracle Whip wouldn't be too bad. Miracle Whip's like sweet. Right, so I, I went about as I went about as gross as I could go. So I've got I've got some apple cider vinegar, which is not tasty at all. Uh, and then I've got a Brussels sprout. You gotta do the apple cider vinegar. Don't do a Brussels sprout. It's gonna be like chewy. I mean, a, so yeah, I, mean, I have McClure's pickles. These are actually really amazing pickles, but pickle juice is like nasty. Dude, I love pickle juice. I, I should have grabbed my pickles. Damn. I've got like really good like mango habanero pickle juice going on. This is I, gonna I am going to throw up. Well, okay. I guess I'll go first. I'm supposed to be like, well, I, am I going Brussels sprout or apple cider vinegar? Apple cider vinegar. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, that's Where'd my water go? Thank you. Okay. Okay. What's your yeah, favorite color? Need, uh... My what? Favorite color. Oh, uh, indigo blue. Oh, indigo blue. Okay. Favorite be favorite breakfast food. Breakfast food. Uh, Desiree's breakfast sandwiches. She's just, she's listening to me. I have to, I have to answer her. Uh, no, um, yeah, she's breakfast sandwich. Favorite superheroes, Marvel or DC? Ooh, um, superheroes would be DC. Uh, I love Batman, but like movies and just quality, I'd say Marvel, especially recently. DC's been kind of sucking. Yeah, this is rough, man. I would have traded you pickle juice for apple cider vinegar any day. It's like coming up. It's like, it's not sitting down there. I want to like, Throw it up. Oh, gross. Yeah. I've had plenty of weekend nights with a lot of pickle juice, so I don't mind it. Okay. Who looks who looks better in a wrestling singlet? You or your boss? I just I'm, I missed you. You said what? Who looks better in a wrestling singlet? You or your boss? Me or my boss? Um I don't I mean, I guess in this situation, Jonathan would be my boss, right? So let's go with Jonathan. I'm smart enough to answer him. Okay, who wins the match? Who, who wins what? Who wins the match, the wrestling match? Oh, for sure me. I take them down okay. all day. Okay, what's your favorite <laughs> song to jam to? Oh, favorite song. Um, maybe not a particular song. I've been listening to, uh, been listening to a, lot of, a lot of Action Bronson lately. You know who Action Bronson is? No? Possibly, yes. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm pretty uh, – I'm all over the place, man. My playlist will go from Action Bronson to – to uh you know al green so it's it, i'm definitely pretty well versed okay um what what book made the biggest difference in your life what book um and that's a tough question you know i really enjoyed uh way of the wolf the jordan belfort book oh, really? um, just because i yeah i just i really really just enjoy his his sales philosophy and just kind of who he is as, as a person um you know especially uh especially kind of sales philosophies and backgrounds so yeah i really enjoyed that one for sure there's, there's a whole bunch of them but i think that, that made the biggest impact yeah okay favorite 
vacation in the past. I can't even think straight right now. That pickle juice is not bad for you, huh? Dude, pickle juice, uh, it's like spicy, spiky. It's not like, it's not spicy, spicy, but it's like, it's got, ugh. But favorite vacation? Um, man, you know what? We, we take a lot of trips. I'd say if I had to choose, though, uh, probably my first trip to, um, to uh, Riviera Maya with, with Desiree, my, my fiance, we had, that was our first vacation together. And uh, the place we stayed is, is a spot we still try to go back to every year now goal is to eventually buy one of these little units at this place we stayed so yeah definitely, i definitely i love i love mexico and i love the uh, the caribbean side over near tulum and, and uh, fly cool cool fastest you've ever driven a land vehicle uh 183 miles an hour what <laughs> yeah i've got I'm a, I'm a car guy man I, I love cars and i've got a pretty high horsepower car so it was it was a uh, a half mile event like it was on not on okay on that would have been road. on a track that was on a track yeah yeah it was on a, it was on a, a airstrip what was it? Uh, it's the car that I drive now. It's a uh, uh, Dodge Hellcat. Oh, okay. Wow. Dodge Hellcat is going 180 on a quarter mile. No, not a quarter mile. It's, or, a, it's a yeah. It's, a, it's an air trip event. It's like a tire air, air trip. Okay. Yeah. Dang man. Yeah, it's pretty. Man. It's pretty quick though. It's it's about 900 horsepower right now, so it's pretty quick. Holy moly! Um, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago today if you had to go back in time? I didn't catch all that, but I think you said, what would I tell myself 10 years ago? Uh huh. Right. Uh, stop spending money. <laughs> you don't need the car. You don't need the watch. Uh, you know, just put it away, buy houses, invest, uh, be smart about it. That way I can buy a bunch of cool stuff when I'm 50 instead of when I'm 20. Um, you know, that, that would definitely, I think that's probably the case for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely, I was making some good money when I was 20 and I was spending it faster than I was making it. So. Um, scariest thing you've ever done. Ooh, I'm kind of a, uh, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, I'm pretty adventuresome. I don't really get scared, not to give like the Gucci answer. I don't really get scared by a lot of stuff. I don't know, any, any input there, babe? What have, I, what have I been scared to do? Any idea? I don't know. I guess I'll have to take a, a pass on that one. I'm not sure, man. I'm, I'm not trying to not give you an answer, but I can't really. We gotta start, it. we gotta start pushing some boundaries. Oh, I, I do a whole lot, man. I think, um, I haven't jumped out of a plane yet. Uh, that's something I've been wanting to do, but I was just too heavy to do it. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to skydive, but that's something I've recently, as I've gotten older, been a little sketched out over for whatever reason. Um, but I'd say skydiving yeah, sky is, is probably the thing that I've, I've, I've held back from doing, even though I tried when I was a little younger, but I couldn't do it. Can you do Can you do a backflip? Have you tried doing backflips? I absolutely cannot do a backflip. No way. That's, that's, uh, I, I like to think of myself as being at least somewhat athletic, but man, I've never been, been at the, even in the pools or whatever, I've never been able to pull off the back foot, front flip. I'm, I'm, I'm built for, uh, I'm built for power, not for speed. I think I don't know if I'm that agile. Do it. That's power. Backflips all power. Backflips that, all power. That is true. Bad argument. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that'll I could, uh, scare you. That'll scare the heck out of you because your inner ear doesn't want to do that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I used to try, I used to do some, like I, I did, um, uh, CrossFit for a while and I was doing like handstand pushups and stuff. Right? Right, even kind of like getting up on the front flip, I'd wind up. It would take like five minutes even to get up there. I'm just not, I guess, not that coordinated when it comes to changing the uh, the the equilibrium up. Yeah. All right. Um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Um, when people are disorganized, just like I don't know. I just I'm 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 probably 
a little overly OCD. I'm, I think my, my fiance would tell you, but like everything has to be in its exact place at all times. Like I'll come behind her when she's cooking and like put stuff away while she's still trying to cook and using it. And she's yelling at me like, dude, I didn't even use the butter yet. Like, take it back out. So um, I definitely, I, I, uh, I torture myself. If I like make myself a meal, I won't even actually eat until I've done the dishes and cleaned up and put stuff away. And by the time I get to the food, it's cold. So uh, just, just, I guess I'm a little bit of a control freak. And, and uh, so when things aren't in their place, it, it gets me a little stir crazy. What are you doing right after this podcast? Last question. What are you doing right after the podcast? Uh, I think I'm actually going to my college out where we're at for the day. Cool. Keep where it's it's three thirty now, so I got another two and a half hours or so to get some loose ends tied up. We got some payroll stuff to go over, and so I'm going to finish up the work day. Um, and then tonight, you know, probably hop on some uh, hop on some Call of Duty or go out and wrench my car or do something fun. Nice man. Well, anything else you want to give a shout out for? Well, I wrap this up. Uh, no, man. All good. I, I appreciate you having me on for sure. Uh, hopefully I, I didn't bore everybody and, and, uh, and kept everybody at least somewhat entertained and, uh, you know, be happy to jump on with you again and, and uh, you know, looking forward to, to seeing everybody's reactions, I guess. Yeah, that was good. No, I appreciate you jumping on. I think a couple of takeaways for me is like just consistency is so like important. Uh, and it's not like, and always going after those goals and never being satisfied is that's, I just finished a book. Or, oh, well, I have 10 minutes left. Um, Can't, t- Can't Hurt Me by, by David Goggins. So good. Um, very similar to some, a lot of things we talked about today. And just always being, you know, like you said, you're out. Your work is six to six. You know, that's 12 hours a day. That's really solid. Some, most people think like, oh, 40 hours a week. I'm working hard. It's like, no, you're hardly working. You know, like you should, there's 168 hours. If you can only spend 40 hours being productive, like, a long way to work, but so, um, yeah, yeah I think so a, lot, a lot of that is, you know, luckily, luckily we're in a position where we're doing something we enjoy doing for the most part, I think. Right. And a lot of people, unfortunately, aren't, aren't, uh, as lucky as us. So it's, it's easy for us to commit to it and put more time and energy and effort in if, if you're, if you're committed to it in the right ways, right. A lot of people are, are getting their arm twisted to go into work. So that's something else we try to preach quite a bit is, you know, don't take it for granted, right. Cause there's plenty of people out there who are doing something they're not happy at all doing and they still got to work 40 hours and they're not making anywhere near the money we can make. So, you know, if you've got the opportunity in front of you, you got to seize it, right. And take advantage of it and work your ass off to, you know, to make sure you continue to, you know, be afforded the opportunity. Yeah. Well, appreciate the time, Austin. And uh, we'll chat with y'all later. Thanks everyone.